This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Megan Eisenberg. Megan is the CMO of TripActions, a digital corporate travel management platform. She previously served as the CMO of MongoDB and the VP of Demand Gen at DocuSign. On this episode, Megan talks career lessons, how to prepare to be a CMO and best tips for first-time CMOs, as well as how to find and hire great marketers and how to make marketing a strategic partner for every department in your organization. Before we get started, here are some of our top takeaways from our interview with Megan. I always thought as a VP of demand gen, my most important job was aligning with sales mm-hmm. and making sure that they're my internal customer and partner. And that if that relationship is solid, I'm, you know, I've, I've done my job. And actually that's very true on the demand gen world and that partnership. But when you become a CMO, it's more than just your sales team. It's your product and engineering team. You need to understand the roadmap and what's coming. You need to align with them on product launches. What's the strategy, how you take that to market. And, and lead with that. It's HR, making sure you've got, you have an employment brand, you've got employees, you've got uh, everything you do around your website involves them as well. Of course, there's the budgeting and the finance side and your peers really become the C-level, the C-suite. Uh, it's not just about a being amazing, amazing marketer and awesome at function. You need to be able to collaborate across all those functions to be, I think, a really effective CMO. I actually think that's one of the most important things on being a leader is you have to be able to hire. And if you want to move up in your career, that is an important skill set. And you should always have people in your pipeline Mm -hmm. of who you're going to hire. But that you're investing in the people around you that don't necessarily report to you. And I also think that's what helps make you a lot more effective if you can get things done because you've got relationships with people who don't report to you and you can show them the value of working together. Thanks a ton to Megan for coming on the show. This was a great one. So without further ado, here is our interview with Megan Eisenberg, CMO of TripActions. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. We have in studio, Megan, what's going on? Hi, great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So um, we're going to talk about what it takes to step into a CMO role. We're going to talk about what TripActions is doing, shaking up the travel industry. And we're going to talk about your amazing background. But first, how'd you get into marketing? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually started out in IT at Cisco Systems in manufacturing IT and realized that a lot of the leaders in manufacturing had MBAs. So I decided to go and get my MBA and I went to Yale School of Management. And while I was there, I had a very broad look at business as a whole and really fell in love with marketing and strategy and thought I could come out and market for tech companies. I love that. So few marketers started in IT. And, you know, as we talked about beforehand, um, I host our, our IT Visionaries podcast as well. And I think there's just so many skill sets that CIOs and CMOs share, other than just the commonalities of two youngest in the C-suite and, 
you know, get fired the fastest and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. But, but I think that it's like, it, it's such an, it's such a great time to, uh, to have an IT background as, as a CMO. Has that helped so far? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the CMO's job is balancing art and science. And a lot of the science relies on technology because of the amount of data that's out there and understanding all those insights and then acting quickly and innovating on that and getting your message out to a very broad audience that's over tons of different channels. Well, and the MarTech stack is crazy, right? And Over like, 5,000, that's yeah. right. So you're going to have to partner with with IT. Do you have, do you have a CIO? Uh, we do not have a CIO. We do have a pretty robust engineering team, but mm-hmm. I actually have always had IT within marketing. I've had systems, you know, full stack web developers, front end uh, developers, as well as just very great uh, integrations teams that can write APIs that can get data in and out of systems and that can really analyze the data. When you talk to your peers, is that something, do you get a little bit of jealousy there? Do you get, are they like, wow, I wish I had that? Or is it like, that sounds terrifying? No, I, actually, I think they're, they definitely go and seek and find IT and developers that can join in marketing because they they know that's a competitive advantage to have uh, systems folks within it. So yeah, I think they, they see it, they realize that's a great advantage and they want to go get it. It is, I think, hard sometimes to hire folks to come into marketing. But if you can, it's it's definitely an advantage. What was one of the most surprising things that, you know, happened to you when you took the role of, of CMO at Trip Actions, which, you know, is at this point in time, and maybe, you know, before we even get into that, maybe just give the listeners an, an overview of what's the scope, what does marketing look like and what's the scope of the company with where we're at right now? Sure. So, I mean, marketing has many functions. I think if you're not in marketing, you don't actually realize how diverse it is. You've got your product marketing, you've got your field marketers and events marketers, you've got your marketing systems and ops, you've got your creatives, uh, you've got demand gen, and then you're, you're global. So you have a European EMEA team, you have an APAC team. And so I've got my team set up functionally by mm-hmm. those different groups. When I was at MongoDB, I also had a, a developer advocacy team. Uh, along with it. But all of those functions are very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the surprises you find as a CMO is that with all the different skill sets, you got to get them all to work together. They're all different personalities, backgrounds. But the whole point is to have an integrated go to market. And it relies on every single group to get something out the door, whether it's the content that you're writing and the thinking and the strategy, whether it's the channel, is it email? Is it um, a podcast? Is it an event? Is it social media? You know, all the different channels are all different systems. And then whether it's a press release or media or, um, you know, a dinner that you're putting on for sales and you're targeting different personas and and then it needs to look good. So you've got to create it in a way that's digestible in that channel. And so getting everyone to work together with different backgrounds and personalities is, I think, the biggest part of it, building a team. So what was what was one of those surprising things that when you when you switched over from from MongoDB um, to Trip Actions, that kind of took you by surprise. Well, I would say even more was when I first became a CMO at MongoDB. I I, I call it plate spinning. You know, you go to the circus and there's you know 15 plates and they start out one side and they run around spinning the plates. And so what I found is there's so many things that you have to do from a, that people are expecting of you across the business, your sales team, your product mm-hmm. team, uh, finance on budget, HR on employment branding that. Um, you start, you, you're running around doing plates and there's so many more. And as soon as you get all the way around, plates start to drop. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to focus again and again, and you're trying to hire and you're trying to be efficient and scale. 
Um, but there are a lot of different plates that at any one time are going to break or fall. And so how do you prioritize? How do you get, focus on what's the most important out of that? So that was certainly a surprise. I think the other learning, I mean, I've been at TripActions for about four months, um, but just in general as a CMO was I always thought as a VP of demand gen, my most important job was aligning with sales mm -hmm. and making sure that they're my internal customer and partner. And that if that relationship is solid, I'm, you know, I've, I've done my job. And actually that's very true on the demand gen world and that partnership. But when you become a CMO, it's more than just your sales team. It's your product and engineering team. You need to understand the roadmap and what's coming. You need to align with them on product launches. What's the strategy, how you take that to market. And, and lead with that. It's HR, making sure you've got, you have an employment brand, you've got employees, you've got uh, everything you do around your website involves them as well. Of course, there's the budgeting and the finance side and your peers really become the C-level, the C-suite. Uh, it's not just about uh, being amazing, amazing marketer and awesome at function. You need to be able to collaborate across all those functions to be, I think, a really effective CMO. Yeah, when we interviewed um, Adam Blitzer, the, the founder of Pardot, he was talking about how, you know, marketing has two customers. You have your actual customers and then you have sales. Yes. Um, but I think that that's a really good point about the step out of the demand gen world and then being able to partner with those those other departments that need some love too. Yes. Um, we, we talk about a lot that uh, similar to your plate spinning analogy, that it's like playing, you know, like building a startup and it's like playing 20 games games of speed chess at the same time right you're like yes. trying to find people on your team that can like at least like play speed chess close enough and yes. uh and you know that you're going to lose some games you might lose a lot of the games but you got to make sure that you know you're moving all the different pieces um did you find you know in your time at, at mongodb from when you first took over you know a cmo towards the end what were those things that you kind of wish you had done at the beginning yeah, I think certainly several things. Um, when I had first started, I had started after business school. I was a product marketer for a few years, and then I switched into demand gen and covered demand and field. And I didn't have a lot of background in comms or brand. Mm -hmm. So I actually think those are the part of marketing. Those are very fun, creative areas. So stepping into it, uh, when we rebranded, there was a lot of work working with agencies, but also having a PR firm that I was a fish out of you know out of water, and I really brought. Um, needed to bring in talent that had 15 years of experience in that while I ramped and learned. Uh, so I think a lot of learnings around brand and PR. And then certainly as we went public, uh, what does that mean? And you have a whole new audience yeah. with investors. And I think as you go to something like going public, brand plays so much more of a, it becomes more and more important and how you present yourself in communications. And so I had a lot of learnings along those lines. And then just partnering with all the different functions of a business and not just being too focused on sales. And with MongoDB, deeply technical um, audience and product, it was more important than ever to align with our head of product and, and head of engineering. I love that you talked about the board piece because it's one of the things that I think trips up a lot of first-time CMOs because, you know, they don't realize that there's this other set of of people that they have to, you know, go and report to and that the answers, the questions are different and the answers are different and just going and kind of getting out of the weeds and kind of, um, as, uh, Chandar, uh, CMO Koopa says the C in CMO being the chief. And those are kind of those chiefly duties. Um, 
did you feel like in those positioning calls and you know being involved in a public company and now obviously you know switch switch over again did you find that like the chiefly duties were the things that the skills that you had to really practice on vice the the marketing skills that you might have already had yeah definitely being you know being a vp of marketing versus a chief marketing officer is getting outside of your swim lane and helping the business do what's right for the overall business mm-hmm. uh, i was fortunate that um my first few board meetings dave was is our was the CEO and had been on many boards and really did a great job prepping me uh, in the first year or two on what was expected, what a good board look board deck looked like, what marketing should be talking to. So I learned a lot from him. Just he's you know founded multiple companies. He had been a VC. He'd been on board. So I certainly I think had advantage and a mentor from that uh, standpoint. Uh, but yeah, I do think it is it is very different. Um, when you get to operate with your the C-level execs and you're you know, building strategy for the business and figuring that out versus just being an amazing marketer. Yeah. What about finding marketers for your team? Was that something that, you know, I think in the, in the same vein as, uh, you know, being able to, to speak effectively, communicate effectively with the board members, being able to find your, you know, lieutenants, um, as, as Jennifer Johnson calls them, was that something that, you were prepared for? Did you already have people um, ready that you wanted to tap? Yeah. You know, I actually think that's one of the most important things on being a leader is you have to be able to hire. And if you want to move up in your career, that is an important skill set. And you should always have people in your pipeline Mm -hmm. of who you're going to hire. I joined Trip Actions about four months ago and I was the 11th person in marketing and we're now 31. So we hired about 20 people uh, went through massive interview process in about six weeks, and they've all now started. Um, my first job was to, you know, understand and assess the current team and where we needed skills, where we had gaps, and we need to bring people on. And the company is over seven hundred people. Yeah, a year ago they were a hundred. So the growth on that is fat is, you know, it's very fast growth. So my job, I saw my first priority was to build the team out, and. Um, part of being able to build it really fast was having a pipeline and having a good network uh, and being able to, you know, recognize who has that skills. And then you have to be able to tell the story of the company and and what you're doing and building and to accelerate that and to get their attention. Very fortunate with Trip Actions that we're growing so fast. It's fun, you know, business travel. Totally. Uh, it's it's um, hot company in the Valley. We're adding 200 customers a month. And, um, you know, the legacy systems are not great. There's nobody that is out there singing praises on the current business travel uh, solutions. So it's ripe for disruption. And then the other side of it, it's an $800 billion online travel market. That is massive. You know, the database market was $45 billion on its way to 60. This is way bigger. And so talking to that addressable market and uh, what we can do, and we're already getting such good traction four years in. Um, so that certainly helped me tell tell the story of it. And it's a product and a technology that um, as a marketer, we get to use. And certainly when I was at MongoDB, I was a road warrior going back, you know, I did a million miles on United yeah. in about four years. So I understood the pain of, and I'd use multiple legacy products out there. We switched at MongoDB maybe six months to a year before I left and neither solution that they were using was that great. Um, it, you know, it's a pain that was near and dear to me. It's an opportunity that's massive. And then you have a good pipeline of people that you can reach out to. I, I want to, I have two follow-up questions on that because I, I thought that was just really fascinating. The fact that you had 
the team that you'd been keeping warm, waiting in the wings, ready to get the call. I think that's a fascinating idea um, that the best leaders have, you know, when, you know, hey, it might not be this year, it might be, you know, the godfather, it might be years <laughs> from now, but yeah. someday I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have a job for you. Like, you know, I hope you say yes, sort of a thing. How did you do that? You know, I think uh, as you're going through your career, the best thing you can do in the early stage is one, own, own your role, deliver, be someone people want to work with. And the way you go, I, I think the way you get more responsibility is one, you have command of your existing responsibility and you have room to take on more. Mm -hmm. So you're not just so busy you can't take on more, but that you're investing in the people around you that don't necessarily report to you. And I also think that's what helps make you a lot more effective if you can get things done because you've got relationships with people who don't report to you and you can show them the value of working together. And I think having respect for people. I think also having a good track record. I've been fortunate that, you know, DocuSign went public. I was at DocuSign before MongoDB for three and a half years. They went public this, you know, about a year ago. Yep. MongoDB had an amazing exit and is still doing amazing as well. And so you build over time that network. And um, I speak at a lot of conferences <laughs> around marketing over the last decade. And I advise different companies and, you know, built a network over time. And I'm always trying to go to lunch with people and meet up with people and grab coffees and invest in people if they need help on something, you know, always respond. So I think um, that's part of it. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's a really great point. It's like, it doesn't mean just like, you know, jacking all of your former employees. Um, and obviously, you know, this is, there's a little bit of like Valley centricity to this conversation because of the non-compete clause in California but also because of the fact that, you know, people do tend to jump around for a lot of different reasons here. But, you know, I, I kind of liken it to like almost like the NBA or something like that, where, you know, people are looking for the rock star team. I mean, ultimately, I think everyone is, but mm -hmm. people here are just more akin to like, see the people that are quick risers to be able to kind of grab the coattails. And if you're someone who's like kind of putting, you know, leaving their hand out saying like, hey, you know, I'm I'm readily accepting people that want to you know be involved. Um, it can be a huge force multiplier when you you know take the big role at the at the you know fast growing unicorn. Yeah, I think also it's important that you you be careful who you take from a prior company because part of your reputation and team um, and your relationship with the execs that you're leaving um, matter. And so you want to give respect to that team and not, um, poach a bunch of people. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and also often you have non-solicit, you know, you can't solicit anyone for a certain amount of time anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think all of that comes into play, but you're, you know, when you've been working, uh, for 20 some years, you, you build up your kind of Rolodex and you know, people, and you know what they're, you, you get a sense of who's really good at what, and um, so maybe we don't work together on the next company, but we work together on the next one, right? So you you can skip every other uh, company, or enough time goes by, and people will move on to other other jobs, and you and you're you're talking to them. But definitely, I think leaders need to be able to hire, and they need to be able to hire fast and new talent. You know, out of the twenty people, six or seven I'd worked with before, but the other thirteen are net new people um, that I hadn't, but I knew of them through the network, or I'd heard good things about them. And or, so then it's that introduction and getting them to just take a call. Yeah, it's a great point about the non-solicit too, because 
all of those people at your previous company, for example, not necessarily yours, but as one's previous company, all of them had rock stars that they worked with, right? And and you can leverage uh, that in a major way. I this is a good problem to have, but I do think it's it's an interesting discussion point. Do you find or have you found being at hot companies that you do get more? Um, do you find that like having worked at hot companies that you get more people that are kind of looking for? the job in the hot company rather than the impact sort of a thing? I mean, I think it could. We're very mission driven at Trip Actions. And so we try to um, look for folks that are not just looking to join a hot unicorn growing fast that are passionate about the problem we're trying to solve, the the user themselves that have felt the pain. Um, you know, I um, had a ton of people when I, I uh, switched reach out, being interested in joining. They'd heard about it or they hadn't heard about it, but then they looked into trip actions and what we were about and what we were doing and loved, you know, the the thought of going out and marketing for a company with that mission. Uh, but I certainly think it's a risk. Yeah. And that you should, you want people to come in that are there for the mission because there's going to be good times and bad times no matter yep. where you're at. And we're moving really fast. So you've got to have a um, very high sense of urgency if you're going to come work at trip actions and the ability to solve problems very quickly and um, partner well and just it's definitely the fastest growing company i've seen as you know the incoming cmo was there a moment in time when you were kind of like considering you know taking the job and like looking at like hey what would my playbook be what would the type of plays that i want to run how do i want to come into this organization that you had a certain like way of looking about it or looking at the opportunity that you kind of said, I think I know exactly, you know, how I would start, you know, marketing this company and kind of like that, that 12 month, 24 month vision going in. Well, certainly whenever I look at an opportunity, I'm, I'm looking at four or five things. One, my boss, then the team, mm -hmm. you know, would I love working for them and, and, and is it a good fit Two the mission and the product and, and what they're doing, the addressable market. I look at the investors and then can I add value? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm if I'm looking at an opportunity and I don't think I have the skill set they need, uh, unless I think it's something I can learn, it's going to push me in a different direction. But uh, usually that feeling of I think I can bring value and it will push me a little bit is what I'm looking for. So, um, you know, and in, in this and both opportunities when I when I did kind of my due diligence and spoke to the executives and the team to understand what they're, you know, what are they trying to do? What are the challenges? I looked at my skill set and said, okay, can I come in and do what you need me to do? Can I come in and hire the team fast? Can I, um, you know, deliver on what you need to get to the next stage? Switching gears towards just kind of CMOs in general and the, and the future of the CMO. What are those skill sets that you think are undervalued currently um, in CMOs that are going to be successful in the future? Well, I think one is your ability to hire. If there's three things you need to be strong at, it's product marketing, it's brand and comms, and then demand gen. And I would say very few if anyone has all three. So you need to focus on your biggest weakness at that particular company and bring someone who's got that strength and then make sure they know how to hire the other two pillars. Or if they have two of the three, can they do the third? So just making sure that they've got that um, skill set to hire to balance and they're they're aware enough to understand their weakness. So they bring someone in to do that. That's It's a great point. We at one of the CMO roundtables were talking off mic about that idea of like every 
that a lot of investors or boards or executive teams that don't necessarily know a ton about marketing are kind of looking for like the five tool prospect. You're like, if that person exists that has like long enough track records in all of those things, like, is this person 120 years old? Yeah, <laughs> like, how, right. how, how did they get this much experience? Yes. Um, and I think it's a great point that like, you're just, you're not going to be able to have all three. So how do you augment that? What kind of picture do you, do you paint to show that you can augment that? Uh, well, I mean, some of it is my experience, you know, my experience, you know, core being product marketing and then um, around demand gen and then saying, you know, I didn't have that going in as the CMO at MongoDB, but certainly over four years, I picked that up, yeah. picked some of that up. Right. Um, so I think you're just showing examples of where you can do that or showing examples of how you would build that out or just the academics of it what is involved. And then certainly you may still, you know, you're going to need the people that help you execute on that. Let's talk about shaking up the travel industry, because I think that especially for marketers, when you're, you're going into like, you know, marketers on your team or whatever it is, I'm sure that they, a lot of them did not have any experience in the travel industry, nor would it necessarily be relevant, which is, I think one of those always things like, you know, I want someone with, with, uh, you know, whatever it is, experience in some industry. Yeah. Um, what you're doing at Trip Actions is something that is really shaking up an industry that has been extremely uh, legacy driven for a long time. Obviously, we're really excited about it. But can you can you kind of share some of like why this is you know the way it is, and what are the opportunities to market to to these um, to your customers and to to prospects that are looking for something that can like really change a huge pain in the butt for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think one, almost as, as far as hiring people who know the industry, almost everyone has traveled on a business tool. So they've they've had experience traveling, especially in marketing, because you do events and you're, you're, you're meeting with customers and doing a bunch of different things. Um, but that being said, you have to have and marry people that have been in the industry. So we have people in product marketing that have been in the industry for a while, or we, we have people that we tap in um, that are experts that are on the product side. So we definitely are reading, learning, and bringing that into the academics of marketing so that we can do it the right way. Um, when, it, when we look at the industry itself, a lot of it comes down to one, can you service the right inventory in real time, very fast and have it tailored to exactly what I want. So, um, you know, powerful personalization. And then it's not only the booking side, but it's the support. When I'm on the road, I don't want to be abandoned. I want to be able to, and, and you know, things are going to go, <laughs> right? Things are going to go wrong on a trip. Flights are going to get canceled. Weather happens. Meetings get changed. So do you have a good partner that's helping you when that happens? Or are you having to go wait in line somewhere? And so for us, we have both. We have a stellar booking tool with machine learning and AI all about you to personalize inventory. And then when you're on the trip, we, our support agents are our employees. And our number one thing is your user experience. And we have an app chat. So you go on the road, you can talk with us at any time. We'll proactively reach out to you if we see your flight canceled and we'll automatically book you on the next flight or we'll give you the three options that you can do. But we're there kind of holding your hand all along. And our, our pricing is simplified. It's not book with us and someone else does support. Now, every time you call, we bill you a, an additional fee. It's one booking fee. So it's all, you can call and chat and to support as much as you want. And we're, we're answering you within 60 seconds as our SLA. So we're on the phone or on 
chat with you right away. And it's unlike anything I've experienced. I've taken six or seven trips now. And booking, I was like, okay, this is cool. They understand my hotels. They understand even location by where I'm going. Uh, But then I got on the trip and it was like, hey, you have a trip coming up. Here's your status. Hey, make sure you check in. Click one button. Hey, you're at the airport. Here's your gate. You landed. Hey, we see you're going to this hotel. Lyft or Uber, pick which one and we'll automatically put the address in and send them your way and route you. You know, stuff like that. It's just, it's the consumerization of IT. I expect to have that consumer app feel and we're delivering that to business users. I love that. The way that the integration of all of these new technologies that are happening around us is one of those kind of classic one plus one plus one equals 10 sort of scenario, right? You can actually have that seamless integration. And then at the end of the day, you're not worried about, you know, taking photos of every single thing that has happened to you over a, you know, one week, you know, stint at, at, you know, all over Europe so that you can, you know, send it back to, to finance. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, And we hook in invoices and expensing. We make it very easy because you're booking the hotels, you're booking all the stuff that you're doing. We track and have that for you. Um, So that certainly makes it um, easier for our users. Are there certain things that, you know, you don't have to give away the farm here, but um, are there certain things that have like kind of shocked you about the travel industry and like the buying profile? You know, we talk lot on the show about like when you're creating a new category and obviously this is it's not a new category but i would say that i I mean you could tell me the integration of all of these technologies feels like you know a new category like you know this travel convenience this proactive stuff with machine learning and ai that it feels completely different than than you know having a travel agent or whatever it is right yeah i mean and it is if you think about it we were created four years ago after the iphone most of the legacy players were 15 plus years ago. And so we have the advantage of being able to um, build amazing infrastructure that nobody has, being able to hook into all these different databases and sources of inventory and to pivot and make changes very quickly and to design using today's expectations. It's very hard if you're a legacy player to change the user interface because people will complain as soon as you start to move stuff around and do something different because there's a change management process, a huge change management process in place where we're designed all about the user experience. We can make the changes that are necessary. We're constantly learning and moving and we have access to so much data that allows us to do the right um, development and design for you uh, and and what people expect. You know, you got to fit it on your screen, on your phone and you need real-time response, little friction, and we are always thinking ahead of what you need to do. So we're, you know, hey, you need to take a ride share. Hey, you're you're hungry, here's a restaurant nearby. Hey, you know, what what is the traveler experiencing at that time? You may show up at your hotel and we deliver dinner because we realize your flight was late, restaurants are closed, and you walk in and you have dinner ready for you. That kind of experience that we're delivering. It feels like the new age of marketing, what you're doing, tied into product, working extremely close with product, working, um, you know, that that combined customer experience being shared by marketing and IT and product kind of in one in one kind of place. Um, and then having the like army of white glove support um, yes. where people are actually a human being at the end of this can get you an answer quickly. It feels like that's a lot of where SaaS is going. And it's, you know, it feels like you're at the forefront. Um, 
how do you tie so closely with product? Like where does marketing start and product end or maybe maybe both are parallel? Yeah, I mean, I think we tie when we think through the customer experience end to end. And so we're meeting every week, if not daily, understanding what the product's doing, what the product roadmap is, what the, cu- the customer feedback, we're monitoring NPS to learn um, from, from feedback from that. So we're definitely tightly coupled. And I think when you look at the roadmap, what's important to get from product is based on what you're developing, what is the the aha wow factor to the traveler? Now let's back into what that story is that we tell. And so we need, we we align around that. I saw Andrew Chen from Andreessen Horowitz was tweeting, I think it was today, um, about like packing in how many aha and wow moments you can into the first however many times. Uh, yes. Like, you know, first day or two days or, or whatever it is. I, I love that. I mean, it's like we talk about on the show a lot. Marketing is supposed to be remarkable, right? Yes. Uh, you're supposed to tell other people about how cool the thing is that it happened. But like those are the opportunities where you would actually share that with one of your colleagues. Like, and how sweet is, you know, trip actions like this is freaking cool, you know? Yes. No, it's true. And I, I think about the first time I use Waze. Yeah. And I'm addicted and now it uses all of my my uh, data. <laughs> it just sends me home. It's hilarious. I'll walk out yes. of the studio like right here and I'll walk into the street to like take a phone call at like, you know, 530 or six and it'll just like start routing me home. I'm like, wait, no, I'm not going home. Yes. Um, but like stuff like that, like what? It's just great. It's so much. I mean, I used to take a map out. Then I used <laughs> to do MapQuest and then yeah. I did Google Maps and then, you know, you have Garmin. Oh, I don't know. No. The, oh, man. The garment. So I used to have um, one of those like the garments that you put like in your car. and oh, then you'd, like, a Loran. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. And then you'd get like, you know, you drive through like the middle of the country and you'd lose signal. And you're like, I hope this is still the route. Otherwise, I'm going to be lost like in, you know, whatever in Kansas somewhere. No, it's true. I, I actually did it on a, a trip. I was with IBM and I was in Paris trying to get out to um, our, uh, the where their EMEA offices mm-hmm. and I had printed out the map quest ahead of time oh, and yeah. I went around the Arc de Trump and there's like 15 different ways you can get off. So I was counting each street because <laughs> it said, take the eighth exit off yeah. of the roundabout. Yeah. And it was so massive. I drove around twice counting just to make sure, because as soon as you deviate from it, it's a piece of paper, you're, you're host. Yeah. And now you're trying to orient yourself. And so I just, that's a very like memory where you know, of course, ways would reroute you. And we're very much like that. No matter how you deviate, we will reroute you and take care of you. Well, and and I think it brings up a really interesting point to like the marketing product alignment here, because one of those little changes, those tiny little changes like Waze or, or you know, Apple Maps or whatever it is saying, get in your second lane from right. Like they didn't used to do that, right? That's right. It was That's just right. like, get, get in the right lane. And like those little things are the things that, you were screaming into your steering wheel <laughs> and you're right. like, which right lane? Like, why did you not say the second lane from right? And it's those like that that went out into the ether, right? Like yes. nobody ever got <laughs> that feedback. But now, especially with travel software um, and tra- corporate travel management, like yes. so many of those conversations were happening at hotel bars. They're like, this was so stupid. I got <laughs> here all screwed up. Like it's been, it's ruined my whole, I have all, I had to cancel all my meetings this afternoon. Um, And on top of that, our software sucks to track it, right? It's like, it compounds the problem. Do you see, how do you seek feedback? Like customer, you know, bottom up. I mean, I imagine with Waze, when they saw you miss the turn because they didn't tell you it was (laughs) a second lane, they saw you have to go all the way around and go back. Good point. I mean, we're definitely collecting 
the information we need to make sure it's a better experience. And then we're always pulling our travelers to understand what they're doing. And we have a really good CSM group that's following up. So we're collecting feedback all the time. And do you have like a mix of an- anecdotal versus like data-driven stuff? Definitely. I mean, we we definitely have a ton of data that we're looking at. We're looking at anecdotal. One thing I love about our business is that uh, it's, you know, when I was in security software, nobody wanted to talk about the, your product because it was their, you know, secret and they didn't want to tip people off to how they were pre- protecting their IP. But in travel, people love travel and they love talking about it. And <laughs> when they have a good experience, they're willing to share it. So um, certainly... It's fun as a marketer. We get a lot of feedback good. Do you ever kind of feel a little bit guilty by proxy sometimes with, you know, people hating on a certain airline or hating on a certain, you know, hotel chain or whatever it is that you're kind of like the, you know, the awkward person like sitting in the room, like listening, you know, on you've seen those like, you know, Twitter threads where it's like one person's being tagged and people are arguing back and forth because it's kind of potentially like, you know, like I said, that guilt by association. Yeah, you know, our our partners and suppliers matter a ton to us. It's what allows us to provide such a large breadth of inventory. Mm-hmm. And so, um we try we don't favor one or the other. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're there to give the the traveler the choice they want and the best choice for them. And so as we learn about what hotels they like, what airlines they like, you know, we're providing them with that option so they can book really fast. The other thing because we've learned so much about what you like, if the average person takes an hour to book a trip, we have it down to six minutes because we're serving up exactly what you want. I mean, imagine there's millions of hotels out there. We want to serve up the one you would actually want right away. Top three choices. Same with airlines. And so we learn about you and enhance your profile that way. Are there any fun things that you all are doing uh, from a marketing perspective? It seems like it's such a a ripe discussion point for so much fun marketing content because it's such like a volatile industry and uh, lots of opportunities for uh, a lot of love and uh, and a lot of hate, a lot of vitriol and, and kind of, you know, back and forth. Yeah. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, we've had a lot of success with direct mail mm-hmm. uh, because we, you get through the noise of um, getting something on their desk and something they can open. Yeah. Um, we've been working with um, uh, the provider is Sendoso mm-hmm. and we've done cupcakes and we've done um, succulents, which is at oh, first man. I was like, why are we sending succulents? But if you think about it, when you put a plant on someone's table, you don't want to throw away something living. And yeah. if your logo's on the on the actual container of it, uh, and people will take pictures, they'll put it out on social media, they'll follow up. There's a bit of you know reciprocity that comes with that. Um, and so we've gotten a lot of great meetings with our target audience just by um, these door openers. That is adorable. Uh, I would definitely. I want a succulent from Trip Actions. <laughs> if I am my. That I'll get you the address of the studio. I guess you're sitting in the studio, so of course you have the address. But uh, that is adorable. That's a great idea. And who doesn't want a, another little cute plant sitting on their desk, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. I mean, we have you've seen like we have a thousand in our <laughs> studio with plants yes. all over. Um, that's super fun. I, I really like that. Um, what is one of your favorite campaigns that you've ever done across your career? Oh, my favorite campaign across my career. Ah. <sighs> You know, and one I really enjoyed when I was at DocuSign revolved around LinkedIn um, because you could do, you could pick your target audience. And and so DocuSign, we were targeting sales ops, uh, HR, procurement. And actually the two folks that are almost always on LinkedIn are certainly your sales and sales ops. You have a lot of people selling, <laughs> sure. social selling. Yeah. Um, 
and not so much on the procurement side, but HR for sure, right? They were doing recruiting. And so depending on your target audience, um, we were using end mails that were inviting. Um, we had a customer, head of sales ops at Salesforce. She was the one on her behalf sending an end mail to others uh, in her, you know, that had her peers inviting them to a, a webinar that she was actually giving and hosting. And so through the end mail, you know, sent that out, we had a ton of people um, that came to the webinar. So it was just a brilliant way. It tapped into her role, her network through end mail to get someone to come and hear her talk. And so I really, I just loved what we saw with that program. Yeah, that's like the deep uh, influencer inception, influencer that people know. It doesn't need to be, you know, The Rock or something like that. Although I'm sure people would have come hung out well, and six too. years ago, a lot of these channels weren't as um, crowded. Mm-hmm. Right? People were just figuring out uh, LinkedIn on the social side, even Twitter. We did a lot when, right when they first started doing promotional tweets, a uh, huge success when there wasn't that many people doing it. And so that's the fun of if you tap into new channels uh, and you're able to innovate and move quickly that you can get that first advantage. Now it's very crowded. What about one of the campaigns that you've done that was a bit more of a learning experience? Uh, I mean, I've certainly had learning experiences. <laughs> uh, I've certainly, you know, on the email side, uh, back in my DocuSign days, we wrote the logic wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, at the time, we were 13 million database. And it was supposed to be a or. Uh, I'm sorry, it was supposed to be an and, and it was an or. And we pulled in the entire database to get an email and invited them to go to a training, our entire database, to get a training up in, I think, Seattle. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, the, my first indication something was wrong is a colleague. Um, oh, he was at um, Box. He was like, why are you inviting me to a training class in Seattle? And I was like, what's he talking about? Scott Fingerhut, who I love. Um, he's over at Elastic now. But um, I was like, what do you mean? And so I started to look into it. And then the head of support called and said, why is everyone calling and complaining they got an invite to you know, 13 million people. So now you're impacting <laughs> your support organization. And now sales is like, why did you invite my customer to a training or my prospect? I mean, it goes on yeah. and on and on. And so within hours, um, you know, it was a, a thing of the main person was on vacation. The backup person was doing it. They had a backlog of emails they need to schedule. Normal process would be wait till the segment pulls, look at the count yep. before, se- you know, making sure you move on to the next batch. Um, but they were in a hurry. So they didn't wait for it to, to close, didn't realize. And because it was such a large batch, we couldn't actually log back into the system to stop it because it was so <laughs> it was so churning. large. Yep. It was just churning and churning. So we had to call the vendor. It was at the end of the day. It was a Friday. They had to drive back into the office and manually shut it down within the database. But by the time we went through all of that, a majority of the emails had gone out. The only upside of it was that it was oversubscribed and we had to set up a second training in that region. But otherwise, and I guess the upside, we didn't email something else that would have been more spammy. At least it was educational. Yeah, no kidding. But that was certainly a moment where I was um, worried. (laughs) Did you have to fly anyone to Seattle? uh, No, I mean, DocuSign was dual headquartered Seattle, San Francisco. So we had tons of people there. Uh, It was just not ideal. I did not want to you know, email our entire database. I would have rather invited them all to our user conference. That's where you're like, you have the follow-up, like people that are interested that didn't make it in. It's like, well, I can tell you about the user conference. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into the lightning round. These questions are going to be fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing, the world's number one CRM. Fast and easy questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Oh, well, outside of Trip Actions Outside app, of Trip Actions. <laughs> the most fun. You know, I love Instagram. I love catching up, seeing. I have three kids. Um, I love seeing friends, family. What is your favorite vacation spot? Favorite is probably beach. I like traveling, of course, um, but when I want to relax, it's a beach. Name a couple of your favorite cities to uh, to travel for work. I love going to Paris. I love going to New York, uh, London, uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, big cities. Uh, you know, it's fun. I think that's, we call it leisure travel when you yeah. can mix business and leisure. Um, there's something satisfying about going somewhere else and it's a different culture, different food. Uh, it's fun. Favorite uh, book that you've uh, read recently or podcast that you've listened to recently that you enjoyed? I have to go with The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Yeah. Uh, one of our uh, board members, uh, Ben Horowitz, wrote it and I read it uh, six months ago, kind of go as I was going through oh, the interview just six process. Six months ago. Oh, yes. wonderful. Uh, and uh, it was it definitely gave me a deep appreciation for CEOs and what they go through. And you think you have a lot of fires when you're in marketing, when you're you are on the hook for your entire company and you you uh, intimately feel everything that's going on or going wrong or that you have to solve problems. Uh, and you're responsible for a lot of people on the team. We just had uh, Mark Craney in here um, and I asked him about uh, I was like, hey, did uh did Ben give you a fair shake on that? He's like, well, his next book is coming out here soon. It did. It uh, just yeah, launched. It just, yes. it just went out. And he was like, uh, this one will set the record straight a little bit on uh, on everything. He was like, because they just, that was just his opinion, but they didn't get to see my side. It was pretty funny. That's funny. Um, what are you most excited about for the future marketing? I love the technology. I know there's 5,000 plus, but every time I see something new and it and I, it makes me think how I can be innovative or creative or get through the noise, I'm, I love that. And the amount of data that we have access to and that we can actually, you know, for a while we had a bunch of data, but we didn't know how to access it or get the insights from. Now we've got more tools that let us get the actual insights and act on it. What is your best advice for first time CMO? Oh, best advice. Uh, definitely your relationships with your peers. So your relationship with the CRO, the head of product, the head of finance, CFO, making sure you have strong relationships with them and you'll be able to execute a lot faster. Last question. What question do you never get asked that I did not ask you today that you wish you were asked more often? Oh, you know, I think one thing we all um, face as leaders is when we have employees that want to get promoted. Yeah. And um, how do we how do we address folks that want to get promoted really fast, that want like a roadmap? They want to know exactly what they have to do to get that promotion. That question for me, I think, um, one, it's a hard thing to answer for your employee. It's but, super hard. That's a great yeah. that's a great answer. It's one of the best we've had. But it's um, I think the trick is one. How do people get promoted? One, they can they own what they've been given and they have the capacity to take on more. Yeah. So if you want to get promoted, you can't be the person that says you're busy all the time running around. I don't have time. Oh my gosh, I'm working so hard. You need to promote me because no, I can't. I can't give you more work, right? You've got to be able to command what you're doing and you need to be someone I can go, they can take on more responsibility. I'm going to give them a broader role. I think that's one part of it too. They have to be able to get along very well with their peers and everyone else that works with them needs to look at them and say, yes, that is someone that should be promoted. If you work so hard at the spite of everyone else, or if you're so focused on yourself and not the value that you're creating for the overall business, you're also not someone I can promote because 
your peers are not going to support you. You're not going to be successful. So it's it's also making sure that you are really focused on creating value for the business and being invaluable is the third thing. If I can't live without you, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep you. I'm going to promote you. So what are you doing to make sure that you are someone that's creating great value and moving the business forward? I love that. The person who always is the go-to for everyone on their team to just say like, hey, could you look at this for a second? Like that's the person you want to promote, right? Yes. Because then you could, you know, feed them as many employees as as necessary because they're going to be able to empower their subordinates in a way that, you know, provides a ton of value. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, Megan, this has been absolutely awesome. Uh, anything else? Anything to plug? I, everyone should check out Trip Actions if you haven't already. Anything else? No, you know, we'd love to, and we launched a new website uh, two weeks ago. Ooh. So check out tripactions.com. Uh, and um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers, to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.